Welcome to the Getting the Deal Done podcast. My special guest today is my good friend, Lisa Forrest with Live Oak Bank. She is making her third appearance, her annual update on what the heck is going on with business acquisition loans. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, John. Really appreciate it. I almost didn't take your uh, your invitation this time because, you know, who knows what's going on, but we can talk about it. A lot of unknowns out there, and but there are some knowns, and given you do SBA, acquisition loans, conventional, hybrid. Let's start with the SBA. They always come out with some new policies, rules in their memorandum of understanding. Uh, what's new with those? So we're actually waiting for the final version to come out. Um, we have a lot of gossip and a lot of uh, ideas about things that might be coming out. Uh, the latest we heard is that the, the new version might not actually be ratified from, with all the final comments until maybe even June of this year. And that happens sometimes with SBA. Uh, that uh, update process can take a while. Uh, a few rumors we've heard that, quite frankly, I'm really in favor of. One of the rumors is around 100% acquisition. As those of you who, who well, well know SBA loans, the seller has to exit. You have to buy 100% of the company. One of the rumors we've heard is that uh, there might be able to be some um, some sellers staying on. So especially, um, Johnny, you know this, you see this, um, where sellers will um, give incentive comp to employees that are, you know, maybe more key or general managers or, or something, but they're certainly not sort of owner owner operators. Um, so those five, 10% owners might actually be able to stay on. Um, I think that that will make for a better transition and just make for a better exit process. So that's one of the rumors, not been confirmed at all. Okay. I have heard that they are lowering their fees on the first million dollars of loans. Yes. Yes, that is true. And I need to grab that. So uh, on the, up to the first million. Now, if you're, if your loan amount is above a million, then the same, then the same uh, fee structure applies and I prepare people for on um, a million and above, anything above a million, kind of three and a half to three and a quarters points uh, on the loan amount, on the SBA loan amount. If your loan is below a million, then before your fee would have been $26,250. Your fee is now $7,875. So if you're if you're doing a loan below a million bucks, that's you know that's really significant. Above a million, you still have sort of planning on sort of three and a half to three uh, three and three quarters uh, percent. All transaction costs can be included in the loan amount, though. So regardless of your your fee, that can be financed as part of the loan amount, but significant for under uh, under a million. Now let's clarify: is it is that fee on the loan amount or on the guaranteed amount? It is on the loan amount. Okay, so you borrow five million dollars with an SBA loan. You pay that on the full five million, not on the seventy-five percent that's guaranteed. Well, there there is a sliding scale on it, by the way. Okay. So it, there is a sliding scale on it, and it is based on the total loan amount based on that guaranteed sliding scale. Okay. So, yes. So more your question. more Sorry. details than we want to get into now. Yeah. Okay. So, but but what but what I do but but why I say the loan amount when I'm prepping people, it's just easier for people to just estimate on the loan amount when they're trying to build out their cost structure. So just put um, you know three and a half points on your loan amount, and then that kind of gets you through all those 
uh, gradations on the sliding scale for your guaranteed percent. Okay, great. So big uh, elephant in the room is the higher interest rates, much higher than a year ago when we did this. Uh, talk about what's going on. So same time last year, January of last year, Prime was at three and a quarter. Um, interest rates are now higher than that. And I've actually got a uh, little slide here that I'm looking at so that I can kind of walk you through some comments. So over the last 30 years, I think the average interest rate, and this is kind of hard to get your hands on because there's really long periods of time where interest rates don't move at certain points. But I think the average interest rate over the last 30 years, the best I can calculate is about 6% for a prime rate. And John, you and I know from our days of doing this for 30 plus years, when I was doing the bulk of my lending over my career, I picture prime rate at like 8%. I'm, I, I picture prime rate at 8 sort of your lending cost at 10%. Uh, I know that's not the same for our, our newer sort of entrepreneur ac uh, acquirers coming into the market, but I, I think more like 8% as a stabilized interest rate. I don't, how do you think about things um, over your, uh, over your career? Well, I think, I I think there's, a, it, it, what we just experienced has, has been an abnormality with such a low rate uh, when, you know, federal funds were, you know, zero or whatever. Uh, I'll take you back many of those years and before I was in this business and where I was working, I had a manager and I remember him making the comment, do you think interest rates will ever get below 10% again? Because you can remember what they were like. For a yeah. Well, they did. <laughs> so right now, Prime Prime went from three and a quarter back in January of 2020. Prime is now at seven and a half. So I ran um, just a scenario that I, I, I think I'll be able to, to relate in an um, understandable way. I just ran a scenario at a seven at prime plus two for an SBA loan is, is pretty average prime plus two. So I ran uh, the interest rate at nine and a half uh, on a $750,000 EBITDA company that say last year, maybe it was selling for $3 million, which, you know, that's that seems reasonable. So same time last year on, you know, an interest rate of kind of more in the 5%, 5% all in, 6% all in, that $3 million purchase price, 750,000 of EBITDA, with sort of a typical SBA structure of 10% down, 10% seller note. I ran the seller note on a five-year amortization, five-year term, and we were doing 80% SBA financing. That $3 million transaction was debt servicing, debt service coverage at 1.6 times, 1.6 times DSC. Uh, that's cash flow total cash flow over total debt was covering at 1.6 times. And at Live Oak, our minimum is 1.5. Um, we, we stand by that debt service coverage. Lots of different SBA lenders will have different debt service coverages. You need to find the fit for you. But that was at 1.6, same time last year on 3 million. So for me now, as, as I'm looking at, well, could we have afforded that based on our policy? 
could could would we have done that deal again same time now with no changes to that three million dollar transaction no more equity not lengthening the term of the seller note that 1.6 is now at a 1.35 debt service coverage today all things being equal that is a transaction that we wouldn't be supportive of today at that structure so we'd be looking for more equity more seller note longer term at that same price so if we're going to keep 10% down, 10% seller note, five-year amortization. Now at today's 9.5% interest rate, what could be afforded at at least a 1.5 debt service coverage? And that $3 million purchase price now is $2.5 million purchase price. All things being equal to at least keep us above minimum our 1.5 debt service coverage. And at 2.5, that's actually at a 1.62 debt service coverage. 9.5% interest rate, all in, 10 down, 10 seller note with that five-year amortization. So from the seller's perspective, I, I know it's, it's got to feel very confusing. They're probably coming off their best year ever in some cases, but yet they're going to make less than what they would have a year ago on that purchase price for having had a better year in. Um, so what, what do you think about that? they need to find a different buyer with more equity. Or different buyer, yeah, different buyer. Maybe they go strategic. And, you know, it's just, it is just confusing for the seller right now because now they're just going to have to come at things a lot differently. Or they they take the price reduction too. Yeah, and and for buyers, it, for the same amount of money, you're going to get a smaller business. Yeah, for that same ten percent down, exactly. Everything everything held equal to how we were just doing it. Nine months ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that... I'll, I'll put a plug in for the the panel that uh, my co-director Heather Anderson and I did last week, where we talked about equity, bringing equity investors in uh, on into your SBA transactions. So, you know, having additional equity, inviting other people to participate with you in your acquisition now might be a trend going forward to afford that same level of transaction. Yeah. So we'll see. What do you and what what do you think other banks do when you know someone's a year in and all of a sudden their interest rate has gone up since most of these are variable rates? Uh and all of a sudden that deal that it was at 1.6 is now at 1.35 or so. What does the bank do in the, that situation? Well, you know, with SBA, there are no covenants around debt service coverage. With our conventional loans that we're doing, you have all manner of covenants around senior turn, senior debt to turn of EBITDA, where if your turn of coverage reduces, <clears throat> then that could actually put you in a covenant default. With SBA, it doesn't work that way. If you are paying us as agreed, <clears throat> we don't necessarily... and can't necessarily do anything if your debt service coverage goes down. However, <clears throat> at Live Oak, we have a very collaborative, very communicative relationship with our servicing colleagues. We actually call them business advisory, business advisors, <clears throat> such that when your kind of financial situation changes, there is a lot of communication between the production side and the servicing side. And I think we have clients, at least that gravitate toward us, that, that are very communicative as well. So what's interesting is that so far, 
we're seeing a little bit more concerning conversation with our some of our CEOs that have closed maybe in the last three months to six months, not so much our clients that closed a year ago. And I think, you know, we're in the middle of knowing and understanding all of this, but I think that as those interest rates sort of gradually increased, our, our clients from a year ago, year and a half ago, were keeping pace with price increases. They were keeping place with those inflationary uh, concerns out in the marketplace. And actually quite a few of our clients that closed last year are doing really well, extremely well. But to your point though, when debt services go down and we already start with a 1.5 debt service coverage, that's just our, our philosophy. Um, you should, I think out there, if you aren't talking to your bank, you really should be. Because there's things your your bankers can be doing to help you. Um, there's one of our clients that closed more recently that noticed a, um, a softening in the sales cycle, a softening in the revenues coming in that were um, sort of maybe assumed or a little bit more automatic. Um, in the last three months, our new operator has really got to be in the field to be generating those sales. They've already had a little bit of a 10% fall off from some long-term customers. So we're actually introducing them to other operators in the same industry that have been doing it for years. So I highly recommend you talk to your bank if you're at all seeing any softening in your debt service coverages. Thank you. Great advice. Um, you, you have a 1.5 to 1 debt coverage ratio to do a deal. Tell us about the other things Live Oak Bank doesn't want because I think that's uh, you know really a, a good point selling point for you because you're not going to waste people's time if you're not going to do it at all. So yeah, and every every bank sort of each each lending area is going to have their own specialties. They're going to have things they do really really well where they're going to be a great fit for you. And then there's going to be certain credit policies or industries that banks. Um, have their own opinions about. So to, to John's point, you want to make sure you're you're in the right place with, with the right bank and the right lender. So at Live Oak, we are looking at the long term, sort of the long haul. We've just gone through, you know, 10 plus years of uninterrupted economic expansion, even during COVID. So many of our clients actually did really, really well. But for us over the long term, we, we shy away from things that we know are cyclical in the long run. Ties to new home construction, ties to just new construction, ties to commercial ground up construction. Um, I, I know our, our contractor industries out there have ha are coming off of some of the best years they've had, but at the end of the day, that's gonna be a cycle. They're leading indicators. They do really well probably before the rest of the economy and then they start softening in a, in in advance of, of the rest of the economy. So we're just not construction-based lenders. Not that we're not doing service, um, you know, home service providers like HVAC and plumbing that are more service and maintenance versus HVAC going into new homes. We are, we have a whole vertical around doing um, HVAC just for homeowners that need service repair maintenance. Um, other things like oil and gas, I mean, we don't know anything about that industry. It's very, very cyclical. Um, I'll add another thing that where you've got a lot of project-based um, work, you think about that in the construction industry uh, for sure, but there's lots of industries that have a lot of project-based work where clients might have 30% this year, 20% next year, 10 the year, and um, revenue cycles can go really inconsistently up and down. I think in this lower middle market, that just introduces a little too much risk for 
for what are already highly leveraged uh, transactions. And then um, we're going to look at the same things you've been preaching about for years, uh, John, seller dependencies, dependencies on suppliers, customer concentration, some of the basics. And what is on seasonality? Uh, how, yeah. you know, is it is just a gentle sine wave or that would that be okay versus the, you know, com, you know, we do half the revenue in four months of the year that we do in the other other eight or something. Yeah, boy. Um, I think again, uh, for those of you who know me and who know Live Oak Bank, we're going to take a little bit more conservative viewpoint on that one. Um, I would say a little bit of the sine wave is probably okay. They do a little bit more in the spring and fall, or they do a little bit less in the summer, or maybe they do a little bit more around the holidays, that idea of a little bit more, a little bit less versus it's, um, you know, an e-commerce company that does all of their business in November and December, or it's a company that does high, high winter volume um, or no volume at all in winter and they do everything in summer. You know, we're we're going to look at those really closely. And I will tell you the deal structure really matters. Uh, your, the cadence of your working capital and having enough working capital is really important. And also what time of the year are you closing? Are you closing right after they've, they've finished their high time and now you're going into low time? Or can you um, organize it such that you're closing coming into the kind of the seasonal time period? But uh, we're probably gonna take a little bit more conservative viewpoint on that one. So with your lender, make sure you've got the working capital uh, figured out. Okay, well, so let's finish up uh, and Talk about any advice you have to buyers and sellers and basically based on what you've been seeing. Why? I've always had a really disciplined approach um, on how I review opportunities with my clients. Sticking to your disciplined buy side methodology, I think is going to be really important. You are, you know, you've got certain ideas around the types of industries that are going to be interesting to you and why you hopefully over time are getting to your own point of view, not just what the lender is telling you is good or bad or right or wrong. You as a buyer more than ever have to have your own point of view. What do you think makes sense? You have to have a good feel for going into business acquisition at this time. And we're still going to be busy. We are making loans. So it's not like this is shutting down for us at all. I think that the the buy side, buyer lender discipline has still got to stay there. We're not, we're not increasing our debt service coverage requirements, but we're not decreasing them either. I think we still want to look at deals in the same way we've always looked at them. That, that I think has served us really well in a practical, reasonable way, understanding the story. And I think for buyers, it's more important now than ever to really understand the role of the seller, the seller's role. What, what was the seller doing? How were they doing it? And the dependencies on the employees, uh, really understanding that is important. I think on a few of the deals, and this is just directional, this is I don't have a stat around it, but I think a few of our, our clients that are going to be just fine, I think they struggled recently with the idea that maybe the seller wasn't as involved and the seller wasn't 
really involved in the sales generation process. Now the sales are softening a little bit and our new acquirers are really having to jump in to not only understand the company, which they thought they were going to have a little bit longer lead time to do, but now they're jumping in and they're having to generate those sales because the seller was really involved in that. And as you know, your relationship with your seller is going to vary uh, kind of from deal to deal. So seller advice, just really understanding what the cost of capital looks like right now. And it's not that buyers are wanting to underpay for your company per se. And I understand you're probably coming off of these really big 2022 results, which that feels really good. Now you're coming out into the market. The cost of capital has just gone from three and a quarter to seven and a half on prime. And that really is impacting your acquirer's ability to acquire at the price you were thinking. So longer term seller notes, um, finding acquirers that can come in with more equity. And it's going to just have probably be a really even more so of a balancing act between your price and how the structure of the uh, acquisition sort of needs to work to afford the cost of capital. Thank you. Yeah. So, what would you say, John? What's your advice? Uh, don't panic. There will always be businesses out there and it may take a lot, little bit or a lot longer to find the right one, but you can't get forced into something. Uh, there's a tendency with buyers if they've been out there a while is, you know, try to make something more than it is. And you can't yeah, do I would, that. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think you articulated that really well. And that's what I meant by staying disciplined. Yeah, don't panic. That's a, a great way to say it. And, and you know, ultimately, I think acquirers will find, will find companies. Right. And for... For sellers, if you have a good business and you are profitable, you will find a, a good buyer. It's the ones that are just barely getting by and use the word potential a lot that are, are really going to have a tough time. So, well, thank you, Lisa. Tell everybody how they can get hold of you. You bet. Uh, I am lisa.forest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, at liveoak.bank. And my cell phone is 425-999-2042. Feel free to text me at any time. And I'll put a plug in for those of you that are just getting started with, with an acquisition idea. Um, I hold a weekly office hours with my lending partner, Heather. Every Wednesday, we go over everything SBA and we talk a lot about deal deal structure and and you know, process roadmap. So if you email me, I'm happy to share links to join that. And I think my searcher clients find that really helpful. And folks will join often as they go along in their search process. We we talk about a lot of stuff with you for an hour every Wednesday. Okay. And you, you cover more than SBA in that, as I recall. Yeah, we have a little compare contrast to conventional. And then we have a compare contrast to a product we have where we can maximize our SBA 7A with our Live Oak Junior conventional in second position to get probably 10, $12 million deals done, actually also using SBA. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Thank you. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it.